Welcome to Six Again, your go-to rugby league podcast with hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Mooton. Let's kick off. Let's go. There it is. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. This is the Magic Round Wrap, Round 10 of the 2022 NRL season, and we are ready to go. Um, my name's Adam. Yeah, I'm Jared. And we are coming at you from a very wet Sunshine Coast. I believe we've had almost 24 hours without any rain, again, for what seems like the third or fourth time of the year. Um, I come from Gympie where it's flooded as fuck. There you go. And he sounds like he's from Gympie too. Um, So I work up there. I can say that. (laughs) Yes, and it's actually got to go to Magic Round. I had three free tickets to go on Saturday, but... It was much more comfortable watching it at home than the drive down. And a couple of people from work did go for the whole weekend and they look much worse for wear. Touched a part of me is jealous. A part of me is happy I stayed at home and watched it from my viewing point. And we'll wrap up all eight matches, judiciary news, injury news, all that sort of stuff, as well as Trent Barrett's um, step down, um, fired. But we will... Look at that from a couple of angles, but before we do so, I'm going to send Jared the um, image I've got for this episode, and he hasn't seen it oh, yet, no. and the the title of the episode. I want to see if he likes it. There's some um, dead air here, and while Jared's opening up, that <laughs> <line>. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, All okay. good. And for yep. those playing along at home, um, did you get the reference of our previous episode, the Magic Round preview? Had a little fun with one of our favourite, or two of our favourite players and my favourite magic movie or story. Jared has no idea what he's what I'm talking about because he probably didn't even see the episode title. Oh, no, I did. I just can't remember. Oh, Harry Cotter. Harry, oh, Harry Potter sent it. No. Yeah, Harry Grant yeah, that, and um, Reuben Cotter. Harry Cotter. Do you know who that movie should be named after? You know what it should be called? Hermione Granger. She's the best part of that series. <laughs> there you go. And I forgot that magic round was a joke around over at our footytips.com footy tipping competition. Oh, for fuck's sake, Adam. Sponsored, as always, by Hop Nation Brewing Co. Yeah, it was a joke around, and the highest score was 10, which means they got five out of eight. Um, Yeah, the round average was 3.7 out of eight. So if you got anything above four or four or above, you were doing pretty well over the entire site. So... We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people get five out of eight. That was the highest score. And pretty much everyone else got four or three. Uh, it was a tough one. There was a, there was a fair few flips of the coin uh, for some people. And if you looked at the footytips.com app, I think the Manly Broncos game was like 56, 40 something. So it was the Rabbitohs Warriors. So was the uh, Knights Bulldogs. So was the Dragons Titans. It really came down to which side of that you were on and whether you picked Raiders to beat the Sharks, which I don't think anyone, maybe one did on the entire site um, of our comp. So if we have a look at the total score after 10 rounds, we have Toby Hunt still in front on 74, has a four-point lead over Reggie Sidestep. Both of them scored eight points. Broncos picked up two points on them. He's up to 67 to join myself. ESPN fans, 61553258444. Uh, Timbo21 and the underscore Irk. So well done. 
do want to jump over to our streak competition because I'm thinking a lot of us would have taken a hit that round. Nope, just me. Yep, I'm back down onto one because I had the Sharks as part of my round 10 streak comp. Kripnodamas is still out in front at the moment with a streak of eight. Oh, and a hell of a lot of people had Cowboys there in round 10 as well to give them a point back. Cool. All righty. So let's have a look at our bets from the weekend. So Nick's tips, of course, he lost all the tips he put on the show, um, which means he won all the ones that he put on personally. So it's not how it's meant to work, but it's how it did. Jared actually won. He had $10 on the Knights at a price of $2.10. So that's a winnings of $22.10. It puts his overall total up to $112.85. So he's up $12. Keep betting on Newcastle, guys. There you go. Um, I lost my multi bet. I had the Sharks to win 1-12, to and I'm not going to go through the rest. That was at $42.50. I had $5 on it. So I dropped 5 down to $135. And... Nick's two-leg multi, Sharks to win four plus, shark, oh, sorry, Sharks to win 10 plus, Penrith to win four plus, fell through. And we voided his other two bets because it included Ewan Aitken, who did not play. So including yeah, the money. I'm pretty sure he got ruled out like 12 hours after Nick put that up. Yes. <laughs> so he started at 95.14. He drops to $90.28. All righty. What... Um, what caught your eye over the weekend, Jared? Anything specific? Uh, um, I know there's lots to choose. Like there was, yeah, this yeah, a it, whack, it, it was crazy more, round of just things yeah, going it, on. You know, the teams not moving on around. A big day. Sorry, teams stepping up on a big day. So you know, you, you had a big occasion. You know, you had Roosters step up and play the best they've played all year. Um. And it was his, you know, the Dragons Titans, while it wasn't high quality, it was a good, like, it was a good ending. So they put on a show for the Magic Round, which I thought was awesome. And actually, I think the biggest thing is how well the field survived for the eight Yes. Uh, I was so impressed because I actually thought, considering the rain, I messaged the boys on Friday saying this, the thing that's coming out was that in two days, um, Brisbane had received a month worth of rain in the two days before Magic Round. And the field, while it had its scuffs, while it looked a bit brown in the middle, held up so well by the eight. Yeah. Man. It was awesome. Really good. If you ever can just watch, like, if you go through all the highlights and then you just randomly watch the Canberra Sharks game, it's in sunshine. And it's like, it yeah. looks like a dry pitch. Yeah, it um, was, yeah. Full credit to the ground staff on that one. Uh, what caught my eye? Moses Sully passed the ball to his winger and they scored. Yeah. Um, I almost fell according, off my chair. According to Wall, that that's that that's a regular thing. He passing. Yeah. Nah, he never passes. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, and I didn't just catch my eye, but um, CCTV footage caught all of their faces, all those bogans that fought up in the stands. I hope you get banned for life. We don't have to see your ugly faces again. Thumbs and up. old mate who. It said the foul shit about Jackson Hastings and whatever that was. Oh, you got, I, hope you get, I hope you get beaten up by the people those those flogs yeah. who got this started the fight. It was horrible. This game's got enough to deal with, um, let alone flogs like that. And um, I think my biggest query on that: how do you get drunk off Forex and Bundaberg, like mid strength Bundaberg rum at the footy? Unless you're like, uh, look, no, 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 
they made were, of they money. They were cooked before they got there. Yeah, they'd have to be. They gross. were cooked before they got there. Um, I think that were the only downsides over the whole weekend, and it was from the public. So that's NRL put on a pretty good show. All righty. Worst. Oh, sorry, sorry. One more thing. One more thing. So after round two, Newcastle were on top of the ladder. And I said it about five times in the podcast, but I didn't think it'd ever happen again. I just like to stay now. Newcastle are off the bottom of the ladder. So fuck yeah. Look at that. There we go. <laughs> we're onwards and upwards. Uh, onwards and upwards. Um, yes. So what are we going to do this episode? We have put together our one to 13 of, in our opinion, best performers over the weekend. I actually found it a little bit harder than I thought I was going to. Uh, obviously, we've got news of Trent Barrett's resignation and the other stuff that we've talked about, but we'll get the non and uh, non-magic round stuff over and done with. So in the NRLW world, uh, Tiana Penatani becomes the first Eels NRLW player to commit uh, for multiple seasons. So she is going to be for the Eels for the second competition this year and for the 2023 competition. And the, lo- the Newcastle Knights have locked in Caitlin Johnson, a local junior. She's the first player to re-sign for the 2022 season. Now, talking about Newcastle, there seems to be some rumours smoke around with regards to them poaching Millie Boyle and Tamika Upton from the Broncos. This is off the back of... Knights supposedly uh, looking at Adam Elliott to replace Mitch Barnett, who is going to the Warriors. Jared, uh, obviously we know the talent that Adam Elliott has. What was your concern? Fuck. I'll, I'll cop Adam Elliott if we get Millie Boyle. Bloody hell. <laughs> oh, who was it? Was it was it you or Wallace said he brings drama off the field? Nah, it's Wall. Yeah, Look. true. And then Adam, Barnett Adam Elliott's had his shit on the but, field. Like, you can't deny quality on the field. Um, and hopefully, like, his, his, his latest fracas was that he got caught in the bathroom with his girlfriend. Yeah, I didn't want to go there. I just... No, no, but that, that, like, the drama off the field stuff, like, that was his. And then I'm pretty sure he did something. I can't remember what he did a couple of years ago. I think it was a little worse than that. But, um, it's a pretty interesting place with Barnett. I was a bit disappointed at losing Barnett. So, you got Elliot, it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll go you on. You can play to... hooker too. So, all right, yeah, we've, here. we've learnt that. Uh, we'll go on to signings news. So, Edric Lee will join the Dolphins from next season, signed a two-year deal with the franchise. So, geez, it's all about the Knights at the moment. And he's played 121 NRL matches for Raider Sharks and Knights. As obviously representing Indigenous All Stars and the Maroons, and uh, that I'm pretty comes disappointed on, about this. Yeah, and that comes um, on the back of Connolly Lamelli signing from the Cowboys. Yeah, like obviously, Newcastle's back on best and young, so I figure that's pretty back heavy for um someone had to go. I'm just disappointed. I, I really likely. I really like his, the job he's done for Newcastle the last couple of years. So yeah, it's a good player. signing by Redcliffe, though. Really good signing for Redcliffe. Not the quickest winger, but he's very, very safe and strong under the high ball. So. And he's Great got a sign. hell of a reach, as we saw yeah. uh, on the weekend. Uh, with regards to... Well, I guess that's pretty much everything. We'll come back to uh, injury news and suspensions, but... 
I guess the big news out of the weekend that's not on the field related is the Bulldogs are currently without a head coach. Uh, Trent Barrett resigned on Sunday after, quote, unquote, pouring his heart out to Gus Gould in the wake of their 16-6 loss to Newcastle in the opening match of Magic Round, a game that can be forgotten for all of those who watched it uh, the minute after it finished. <laughs> so, suppose, see, like... There's, I'm not going to say there's conflicting stories about this, but there seems to be so much from one side of the story that it can't be true. So things like Barrett's resignation took Canterbury by surprise. Um, the fact that uh, Gus Gould's quote is saying, it was Trent's decision. I certainly wasn't going to sack him. It's sad it's come to this. Like, there would have had to be talks behind the scenes and the fact that Gould came in and helped take a training session um, was sitting in the coach's box that week that Barrett was on the sideline. I know they've got a personal relationship as well, but is it that surprising? Look, the, the, the thing about it is that Gould said what he said Barrett's not allowed to sign anything because anyone who gets fired has to sign NDAs about what happens. And we're never going to know. I know. I know. I'm just I was like, interested and, in your opinion, Jared. Oh, I fucking... I, I reckon it's mutual, to be honest. Like, it, it's a performance-based business and why you can say the team... What the team struggled is... One thirty, a five out of thirty-five games, and I always say that there's ways to lose and there's ways not to lose. Like Dean yeah. Pay had a really shit team, but they always had a crack. Yeah, I don't think you can say that about the Bulldogs teams for the last however long. They've got a shit, um, he's got a shit team now too. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's another point. One of the points that got brought up was, you know, he should have done better with the recruitment this year. Like, what? fuck like, off. Yeah. Like, this. It, hmm. Mel- Mel- Melbourne Storm, with their recruit, and they're the peak recruiter in the competition because they don't buy superstars. They you know, buy, you know, fringe players and turn them into superstars. Mm-hmm. Josh King's probably the best example there is currently. Um, Craig Bellamy has, like, free sit-down interviews with them to judge their character. Like, mm-hmm. he, he knows he can... They're talented and he can turn them around on the field, but he judges their character. The recruitment, especially the recruitments of Tavita Pangai Jr., Matt Dufty, and Paul, Paul Vaughan, they're recruiting people for just because they're people, like they're free agents. Yeah. And I know Bulldogs were desperately, but if you're rebuilding the club, you put character first and then you check, and then you build it a building. If you've got a really, really strong coach which they probably didn't have. You don't buy some guy who's like, to me, the I don't know if he was sick. They, they claimed he wasn't. Big game, magic round. Bulldogs had to win. He done nothing on the weekend. It was horrible. Um, and, I, 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 and you know, buying out of a car, I don't agree winger playing, paying that much, but they had to pay overs to get some star power there. Um, resting their team on while he's very talented, a Matt Burden who's never played consistently at six and never been a center point of anyone's attack. Um, paying at overs to him at this level, yeah. So, 
their recruitment, if you just look at names, like, oh, cool, that sounds pretty good. If you really delve into it, it's shit. Yeah. We yeah. <laughs> said that at the start, though. So I yeah. I think this... But a lot of people are just saying, oh, he should have done better with the recruitment nah. he had. His recruitment, it wasn't smart recruitment. It was just throwing a checkbook at anyone who's available. That's all it was. I think the worst recruitment of this whole lot was picking Trent Barrett to start with. He's the, not on Barrett. He, to, in my opinion, he was put in the worst position he could have been put in for his career. He came from Manly um, with... He came from Pembroke. No, no, but like head coaching role. Oh, uh, so his last head coach. Yeah. And that, that didn't finish well. And if you look at the two teams then, Manly were in a similar position to what Canterbury are now, but they had more star power already there. But the rest of the squad was poor and needed... Uh, reshaping, redeveloping. Now, American sports, more so along the lines of baseball and hockey, because they have prospects and they develop them for a year, two, three, four, five years before they actually make it into the big leagues. There's an understanding around most clubs there that when you're rebuilding, it doesn't take one season of getting rid of shitty players and bringing in new ones. It could take two seasons, three seasons, four seasons, as long as the team is gradually improving to get back to where it needs to be and you're investing in players that suit the club, have long-term potential, and if a club can show it doing that, most fans will look past the poor current results because they can see the vision of what the team's going to be in two seasons or three seasons. When the Bulldogs signed Barrett, they were at the most, they were at the bottom spot of a rebuild. They had no one. They weren't looking at improving at all. And then all this money came in from players leaving, all that sort of stuff. We said then that this team may, what did we say, improve from 16th to 14th or something like that? Oh, no, I, I kept them at 16. Yeah, well, I'm saying like that's, 14 was a yeah. big jump. I think I kept them at 16 as well, them or the Tigers. But... This is a three, four, five-year project, and he's not the type of coach that has had experience doing this sort of thing successfully. Uh, Nathan Brown could have been a a better coach for this sort of position. Um, Someone like, uh, what's his name, Ferner or a... um, Oh, no, the coaching stocks are limited, but you, you mentioned the rebuilding phase. They they can't rebuild for another two years at least. Because when you actually delve into it, because they played over so Arica, yeah, and that's the thing they, they gave massive price. money to Burden. Yeah, next year you got kick out. I'm pretty sure he's the next million dollar player next Marnie. year. That's the only way they could have pried him out of Pembroke. Marnie, so that's four players that are, that will be close to four and a half million on that cap. I'd say so four million next year. The the salary cap is nine million, so just under half of the salary cap is um, big, you know. And on top of that, they don't have a consistent halfback. He's getting the credit. He's you know um, they're giving much confidence to. And by the looks of it, next year if they let go of Dusty, I don't know if they will, but if they let go of Dusty, there's no other fullbacks on the fucking chopping block right now. Like, 
<laughs> and you've got an injury-prone hooker who's talented but injury-prone. Yeah, and it's just like their, their rebuilding can't happen because they're going to spend the next five years paying out these blokes. From last year. They, they yeah. tried rebuilding too aggressively with, to me, in my opinion, still a rookie coach who hasn't shown much development with his game plan or style. And I guarantee you, T- T- Pengo Jr. is going to be up- asking for an upgrade and next contract turnaround. I, I thought <laughs> this was an interesting tweet and I think this will ruffle your feathers. I am, I'm more inclined to agree with this based on what we've seen from the outside. So someone's put up here, this was after Barrett's thing. I see once again, Gus Gould has another fall guy. How are the Dragons going after his... Uh, how are the dra- how's the Dragons doing after his review? How are the Warriors going after his input? The man uses his connections in the media and the NRL Boys Club to keep himself employed. No criticism comes his way at all. It's remarkable. The only success story he's really had so far at a club um, is with Penrith. And that also aligns with the $10 million the Packers put in to keep the club afloat at that stage as well. So, look, my 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 issue with Gould, he hasn't improved look, this club at all. I'd be, I, I put like I from, put him from the, the outside. Same, I put him in the same boat as Johns. Um, I put him in the same uh, Johns and Gould are in the same boat where I will listen to them talk tactics and the little things about rugby league all day long. I will not listen to them when they're talking about the widespread issues in the NRL. Will not listen to that. I wouldn't they just touch a club with a 10-foot pole. Well, see, but that's the thing. Like, he he is a very good coach. What he did at Bulldogs. Yeah, but I'm not talking about coaches. No, but here's here's what my issue with, and it it relates to coaching. For the last, in the middle of New South Wales, absolute flogging by Queensland for the last, well, for 10 years in a row. Could, couldn't come, well, we came close, but we just didn't have that thing. He sat there every year and criticized the fuck out of that New South Wales, out of that New South Wales team coaching their decisions after the series. He pumped them up during yeah. after the series yeah. and ripped into them. My issue with him was that they pleaded and begged him to come back yeah. and coach as a thing. And he knew that team couldn't beat the Queensland team. He yeah. just knew it. He didn't want to put himself into it. Yeah. Exactly. And that annoyed me because he's going to crit like, and then on the other hand, you have Wayne Bennett, who's considered the selfish, you considered the, you know, the issue with the thing. As soon as he got a call because old mate had to quit and go to the club coaching, I can't, mm. can't remember who that was when right. he had to come. Great. He, he legit just went, yeah, coming in. We're going, yeah. we're going for it. And as much as he criticized Bennett, it was amazing. He won the win. And that's my issue with Gould that, he he knows so much. Like he's, I love talking. I love listening about the, like I said, the nuances of the game. But when it kind, when it starts, when it, when he has to do something, he doesn't. He's a perfect and example of talk he, is cheap. Yeah, he, he could. And I, I have to actually good. disagree. Like his knowledge of the game five years ago was brilliant. He's still clinging to that, and oh look. Was, Anyway, like his career, I've I've grown up to it. Brought up a lot of yeah. points in my head that made sense, but like it's just and then he came back to coach when he was last. Imagine this weekend he goes, you know what? While I'm interim coach, I'm going to do it this weekend. Like three weeks ago, like yeah. I, I just like 
think this weekend, if he was really serious about this rebuild, he is honestly the most experienced. He's, that's the thing, though. He's, he's not serious about the rebuild because they've thrown like what? Uh, but that's my point. Salary that, cap at six and players. Right there, there's my issue with it. Right there. Like when he was at Pembroke, all he did was champion redevelopment, and he goes five year plan, five year plan, yeah. and then you know what? Some of the new, some of the Pembroke credit, some of the the credit from what Pembroke are doing, sorry, right now can be attributed to Phil Gould for what he set up 100%. way back when. But right now, as Adam said, or I said, sorry, as well, now he's four million dollars into four players next year. That's not rebuilding the club. That's breaking the club. That's that's what man. That's what Hasler to Bulldogs about 10 years ago. And that's what happened to them now. They really fucked them over. And they're still suffering because of that. Yeah. And um, I'm... The yeah, first time around, sick. they did it with Manly. They got a premiership and another grand final out of it. And it's worth it. The second time around, they haven't got there yet. And we've talked about... Well, the he, got, he got to a grand final with it and then he couldn't win it. And then it just went... Phew. Yeah. So I also think one of the things that may have altered his thing was how quick the Penrith success came around. Um, like they bring in all these kids through that took time, but once they got to the top level, the success happened very quickly. I think that is quite an outlier and um, yeah. whether that boosted his confidence, I don't know. I just, I think there's too much in the way of the club talking about how shocked they are with his resignation for it to not just be that clear cut. We'll see where it goes. Um, yeah. There's a, a bunch of candidates that people are already putting forward for the head coaching role. Bulldogs have said that the interim coach will come from uh, internal sources. So Fern is already on the assistant coaching. He's the assistant coach. Uh, you got Mick Potter as a coach of Mounties. Uh, considerations. I think someone like Shane Flanagan would be a great fit for the head coaching role. He's got someone, a power. Oh, sure. But I think he's he's had success. He'll have respect as soon as he walks into that room. Um, for the on-field stuff. Um, Just got to check who his medical guys are. Exactly. Waiting for it. But as an actual coach and what he can get out of play is the fact that he'd probably be able to get the most out of his son as well, uh, being there, similar to what we see with the Clearies. I think that's a... I, I, it it I makes actually, too much sense, which means it won't happen. I actually don't want him to go there just because he's own personal where he's at. Like when he takes his next job, he has to be successful because of what happened. I don't think he has to be because I think he's walking into a position that he was at with Prinella. Yeah, but I I just think that like, I I just, sorry, sorry, probably has to. I want him to be successful. Yeah. I want him to. Oh, you don't want him next year. I want the Bulldogs to be successful. Right. Like it? No, I, I well, I, I honestly reckon that Brad Arthur should be fired and Shane Flanagan should be para. Pa- Shane Flanagan at Parramatta scares me as a, a team who has to face it. That's really good. Like a team like that who just needs that extra oomph to get them over the line. Mm-hmm. But that, that we can talk about later. Bulldogs signed Nathan Brown. He's he's the best rebuilding coach in the competition. Um, I I just yeah I I. I the coaching stocks right now are, are very weak to yes. me. They're very, very weak. Like I saw someone, there. someone said out and, there, expansion, it's not a lack of NRL talent. It's a lack of NRL coaches, coaching yeah, talent. Well, and like an- another part of it is like Gould being there, he's fired Griffin, he fired Cleary. 
He's not not afraid to hook hook a coach. Um, and yeah, I, I for for a coach walking into it, you got to be hesitant and constantly looking over your shoulder mm. about what Cool's going to do to you because you know in this situation. Barrett's won five out of 35 games as head coach, which is justifiable to lose his job. Yeah. Back at back at Pembroke days, Anthony Griffin was on a four-game winning streak and got the got the hook. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? Um Paid off, yeah, though, so then. it's all all interesting. You gotta keep it, right. it's something to keep an eye on. We're gonna have our first quick break, then we'll come back with hard hits from Magic Round. Alrighty, so charges out of round 10. They're all fines. So Tom Gilbert's been hit with a grade one careless high tackle. It's his third one of the year. So that's escalated up to $3,000. Uh, we also had Nick Meany, Warriors second row, Jack Murchie, and Titans forward Sam McIntyre all charged by match review committee. Um, gradeless, sorry, gradeless, careless grade one high tackle for Meany. They're all avoid suspensions uh, for the first offences and or early guilty pleas. Uh, Toff Sipley and Chris Patolo were charged from Friday night's games. Both players face a $1,000 fine. So you've got Gilbert, Meany, McIntyre, Jack Murchie, Chris Patolo and Toff Sipley. Uh, Tom Gilbert's there is the $3,000 fine. All righty. Uh, yeah, his fine's been escalated. Yeah, cool. Says two matches as well for Tom Gilbert. I don't think that drugs he's paid the $3,000 fine instead. Alrighty, that's pretty much it. Nothing huge. Uh, on the injury front, though, it's a different story, almost as always, unfortunately. Uh, Big Nass, Nelson Osofa Solomon has been ruled out of the Storms clash with the Cowboys in round 11 after sustaining a knee injury. Jerome Hughes was an early, uh, sorry, a late withdrawal for the Storm, the calf injury. He should be back on deck. Final determination made later in the week. Victor Radley has picked up a syndesmosis injury or suspected. So he's been sent for scans. Delphinukin knee injury is of more concern than his head knock. Uh, Jack Williams injured his shoulder. Luke Brooks hamstring, Jake Simpkin head knock and Zane Musgrave pictorial all picked up in injuries against the Cowboys. Um, a weekend without Newcastle injuries. Yes. Oh, you cause it now. Uh, David Nofaluma, <laughs> Tom McKayley, and AJ Kapoa are all closing in on returns. None of them played over the weekend. Josh Maguire for the Dragons uh, was a casualty from the weekend as well, as was Rabbitohs back row Jacob Host. Now, Jacob Host first came back from shoulder rehab, took the place of Cam Murray, who's out with a shoulder injury. And dislocated his and host dislocated his shoulder in what a fifth minute, sixth minute, something like that. Uh, very innocuous tackle, and the look on his face on the sideline wasn't even just from the pain; it was just the disbelief. And there's a video going around on social media of his shoulder being popped back in in the change rooms. Um, suck down that green whistle, buddy. Ben Trebojevic has aggravated an AC joint. And was quite a decent one, supposedly. Uh, Tamari Martin suffered a hip flexor injury out of that match, and Tom Trebojevic is good to go. 
So I guess the, the, the biggest ones there could be Victor Radley, depending on how severe the syndesmosis injury is. And all the rest, hopefully, uh, one week on the sideline, obviously, except for Jacob Host. All right. Considering the surface and what the players played on over the weekend, um, I think most clubs would be pretty okay with that injury list. Oh, no, else, which is fantastic. Yeah. So, eight games, three days, one venue. And it was pretty epic. Couple of blowouts. One actually, there's only one. Uh, yeah, we'll say one blowout and a couple of dominant performances from other teams. But we have our one to thirteens here. Uh, this has taken. Didn't have to be a player from every team. You could have multiple from the same team if you believe they deserved it. Um, I found probably the dummy half position and fullback position hardest to fill, uh, whereas wing and 5'8 and halfback, I probably had a couple of candidates who, who could have fitted in there, but I've narrowed it down to yeah one player per position. How do you uh, go, Jared? It? Yeah, I, I, I struggled a few, um, but I, I'm pretty happy. There's a few rare ones that I, I, I want to yeah. have a chat about that I'm pretty, pretty, um, I was pretty impressed by their performance. Um, well, we're not going to obviously break down every player because we've got the games to go, but say you read through your one to 13 um, and any um, honorable net mentions and um, pick maybe one or two you want to. Yeah, Pongo, just because without him, without him there, they wouldn't have won. He just tried hard all game. Wingers were Tulag, Tulagi. I think he's just getting better and better. And Sawali, just because he was he, he his runs out of his own half were really strong. Centers Targo, and a guy I never thought I put in this. He played really well, especially with the eyeballs. Asking Chris, poor old um, Sione Katoa on the wing for uh, mm. for um, Sharks. He's had a, the worst day under that sun, but. Sebastian Chris done really well. Harbs a Walker. I think he done Sam Walker. I think he done his best game he's ever played this weekend. Future try assist. Ooh. His kicking was really strong. Halfback was easy. Adam Reynolds absolutely killed it. Half uh, front row got Fodder Waker. Best game he's played in yeah before cool. Origin last year. And Jade, uh, Jared Maria Hargraves was really billed in this game for the props. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really stood up against Paul Owen, Regan, Campbell, Gillard, which are probably the form to prop pairing the cop. This is my strange one. I got Zach Wolford at nine. For, he, for his early early series... In he the, played in like 27 the, minutes, didn't he? Two try assists, three tackle breaks, one line break assist and one line break. With mm. 20, no missed tackles in the middle. So I'm pretty sure that's his debut. Yeah, it was. So... It was, uh, it was remarkable. I did consider him. Yeah, I, I just liked it. Like, debut coming in a game like that. And like you said, he only played limited minutes, but he fucking had an impact. Mm-hmm. Like, he played really well. Um, other second row, oh, sorry, second row was Hudson Young. Killed it this weekend. Absolutely killed it. Really, I, I like his build. I like how he plays. And yeah, Viliama uh, kick out on the other edge. And it, it, it was a wash between Tino and Isaiah Yo at lock. Yeah, because they, they definitely played differently, but Tino just 
had as just much influence as Isaiah Yeo on that. Uh, I know there's a bit rare ones in there, but I'm pretty happy with that team this weekend, to be honest. And what I love is out of your whole 13, I only had three the same, yeah. which um, shows how many outstanding performances there were. Uh, I was trying to think back to... Oh, yeah. Um, Adam Reynolds at halfback. I had him as well. Uh, did you consider Moses? Yeah, I did, but um, Moses only played the second half. Adam Reynolds played 80 minutes. No, no, I'm just saying, did you consider him? No. I know I did, but that was my reason I put Reynolds instead. Yeah, and that's why I didn't put Cody Walker at 5'8", considering how greater first half he had. Like, did absolutely everything. Second half was uh, more of a, the Warriors show. But, yeah, no, I was just asking. So... Um, at fullback, I had Blake Taff. Taff? Yeah, right. Black Taff. Um, my wings were both Broncos wingers. Cobo and Oates. Um, Manly didn't put up much of a fight. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, if you watch Cobo's... Like, this is actually... I've got to give credit to Kevin Walters. This was all down to coaching. Um, the amount of times that Reynolds was looking for the space in behind Manly. And that first one in the second half, how far Cobo ran to get to that little chip on the full. That was a 30-metre run to catch that two metres out from the line uh, and fall over. Whereas if you, when you watch it live, they only showed it side on. you got to watch the multiple replays and you'll see how far back you ran from. Um, I gave consideration to Sawali, 100% agree. And Marcelo Montoya, that was his best game I've, I've seen him play. Um, he was really good for the war. Even the first half when they were getting smacked around, um, he he did really well. Centers, I had Moses Suli and Peter Hiku. Hiku had a cracking oh, game. Um, it was it was interesting with the sub of Hamafidel coming on. Uh, they took drink water off and then put drink water back on and took Hiku off. So I think Peyton's still looking at changes there. I had Tom Dearden at 5A. I agree with the Sam Walker pick. Tom Dearden did the same thing uh, throughout the whole game as well. He was... Yeah, you'll see why Cowboys to me were the best team or oh, consideration for the best performance of the whole weekend, um, how they played. I had Ruben Cotter and David Clemmer as my props uh, with consideration for Jordan McLean. He, oh, that was the best prop performance I've seen from McLean in like four years. And it's no Ru- I don't Ruben think it's Cotter, any man. coincidence that it's a contract year for him. He's Ru- Ruben Cotter just. Oh, mate, if you guys don't pick him for Queensland, I will be happy. He's yeah, just, no, he, he is great to watch. <laughs> I gave consideration as well to Patrick Garrigan. He outperformed Payne Haas um, in meterage uh, on the same number of hit-ups, which is, you don't see very often. So credit to Garrigan there. But I went Clemmer and Cotter, just above McLean and Garrigan. I had Reese Robson at dummy half, uh, Kikau in the second row, Papalihi in the other second row, I had credit to Ryan Madison and Isaiah Yo at lock. Uh, but, yeah, pretty happy with that. Like, Broncos had multiple players. Cowboys had multiple players. I think Penrith had multiple players. Interesting that no one from either us picked the Storm. Not surprising, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Uh, worst performance of the round as a team. Best performance of the round as a team. Uh Worst performance is a toss-up whoever won the Newcastle Bulldogs game. 
Oh, sorry, whoever lost in Newcastle Bulldogs game. So someone tweeted after the Friday night games, who would win between Manly and Bulldogs? And I said Manly 38 nil because Broncos beat Manly 38 nil. Oh. And I'd say that they'd put 38 nil on the Bulldogs. Yeah, do- if Newcastle lost that game, it'd be them. If dogs if dogs did lose that game, horrible performance. It was a horrible game. I didn't oh, put oh, yeah. I didn't put Bulldogs or Manly for my Worst performance of the weekend. Uh, best performance for me was the Roosters. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the best game they played all year by far. And was a that lot of their people... best performance, or was that the weekend's best performance? No, both. Okay, both. Um, Cowboys played well, but it was against the Tigers. Um, you know, the Roosters came up against Para, who for some reason were favourites. You know, everyone knows what I think of them, but. I think the reality of why it, they were favourites, but yes, go on. But the reality of it is that Roosters came in underdogs. And in, in that first half, yes, the second half, Para came back. But that first half, it was what the Roosters should be and can be week in, week out. Yeah, it's I think you just also said that in first half, second half. It's like, that's how they've been playing yeah, all the I, season. I just, like, I was just really impressed, impressed with them. I, I liked it. And the fact they held out. Because yeah. Okay. Despite despite what you can say about Para, sorry, I should rephrase that. Despite what I say about Para, because I'm vocally don't like them, um, they can score a lot of points. So the team is yeah. attack focused, and when you're got a tidal wave of Para gaining confidence every five minutes from a try, you're like, oh fuck. A lot of teams would not have held that in. So um, yeah. I. I do agree. I think that was the match of the round. It was definitely the best game to watch. I think the fact that the Roosters let in 26 points kind of counted against them a little bit. Uh, The Cowboys were impressive all over, despite uh, a really reasonable performance from Jackson Hastings, who lost Luke Brooks as well and took control of the whole squad. But my best performance of the weekend had to go to the Raiders. Three different sin bins throughout the game. Um, the second team to really push the, the Sharks around after the Broncos did a couple of weeks ago. And they they played with the grit and the determination that we used to seeing out of Ricky Stewart coach teams. I agreed with the three Simbins. I think they were all legit. Um, you look at the Sharks, it's like two weeks in a row or two, week, two times in three weeks, they've come up against 11 and 12 uh, opposition. Um. So that goes back onto the worst performance of the round to me was the Sharks because jerseys that good, you can't play that bad in. Oh, and that's that was just, shit. Their jerseys. Yeah. Their jerseys are incredible. Oh, the old school ones. I was yes. like, sorry, I thought you meant the Manly ones. Sorry. The Manly no, ones no, no. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. Um, Hopefully they never wear them again. But the the two that Manly have played in those jerseys was Rabbitohs and this week. So let's... No, not Rabbitohs. Sharks in this week. So let's not talk about them. Um, but no, you can't wear jerseys that sweet and lose that badly. So Sharks, worst performance of the round, solely based on their jerseys. Been too nice. That's <laughs> um, fair. All right. Let's rip into the, the games themselves. Uh, I don't think there's a lot to talk about for the first Friday night game. I think I still don't agree with the NRL putting this as the first game. They could have literally changed it up to a week beforehand and said, you know what? These two teams suck. Let's put something good on and let's hide these guys first game on a Saturday when no one's going to watch. But no, they opened it up with. Yeah. Like I said, it's not the only thing you can say 
about this game is Newcastle got the two points. That's all you can say. There's I, nothing. I think we can no take David Clemmer's performance out of this. He was, he was incredible. He was the old David kind of like 200 and something run meters. Uh, uh, 60, how many minutes? If I like 64 minutes for 200 and something meters, 33 tackles, zero missed tackles. Uh, he had a, Epic, epic game. Yeah, 200, there it is, 202 metres um, with 33 tackles, zero missed tackles in uh, 60 minutes, sorry. That's a that's a huge work rate. I, I really do think that he's just got the shit. Like, oh, he's, no, I, he's, the... he's playing with, to me, passion. It looks like he's having fun. When he celebrated Lachlan, um, Leo Thompson, uh, Leo Thompson score, no, sorry, no, it was Kasami Solo when he thought he scored. Uh, when Clemmer ran through, like the smile on his face and the, the joy is like one of the big boys got a try. He was just, looks like he's having fun doing what he's doing. Yeah, look, uh, no, like I said, I think he pissed off one bit of what he's just taking it personally in Newcastle performance right now. Yeah. That's and I, I think he's from, I think he's going to really appreciate having Tyson Frizzell back this weekend if he comes back. Yeah. Like there's that experience head in the four pack. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, Newcastle got the win. Um, Dom Young ran down at a car. Oh, that mate. It wasn't really a rundown, but yeah. Nah, but it, it was just cool. Like, oh, actually, like, you know what? Highlight is true. Dom Young, like he has been playing quite well when he's yeah, on the field. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm saying that time. Um, I. I well, I, I, I rate him. I, I actually thought our best debutant this year would be Leo Thompson, but Dom Young's been killing it. And I do have to give, like, Matt Burton's setup for Addo Carr's try was absolutely filthy good. He just dropped. It was running it, it, laterally it, and just, he had his head up the whole time. He was looking at the space. Was looking, he didn't even look down to his foot with the ball. He just literally dropped it. And perfect onto his boot, perfect little grubber through without even looking down. Watching it from front on was just filthy. I, I want to know what happened to Kyle Flanagan because he came back and he absolutely killed it. And then this week, in the second half, Matt Burden got caught on the fourth tackle, or the fifth tackle a few times. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, there goes their set, shot shit. Yeah. Because Kyle Flanagan was really... And I'm pretty sure I messaged you halfway through the game, why isn't Kyle Flanagan... Kicking for goal because Matt Burden, while he's a very good kicker, he can't aim. Yeah. He just puts it high. Um, right. And then, and then that moment when Adric Carr put that chip in, <laughs> we're only we're only like four points ahead then. And I was like, we won this game now. Yeah. At that point in time, I was like, yeah, we we, we got this. And we got this. The second game on the Friday night, like I'd say for a neutral supporter or a casual fan of rugby league checking out this magic round thing, there couldn't have been a worse uh, spectacle. There couldn't have been a worse spectacle than Friday night. An absolute boring ads first game and then absolute blowout in the second game. Credit, all credit goes to the Broncos. Uh, Adam Reynolds had an absolute blinder of the game. Um, But I, I think watching this from... A Seagulls fan's point of view, Kevin Walters outcoached Des Hasler. There were, you could see the plans in place. Brisbane folded Manly through the middle. 
And as soon as Manly folds through the middle, they're very aggressive up and in defensive team. And I, I messaged you guys, I think, on the weekend. That used to work when Hasler had Jamie Lyon and Steve Bell, who could actually read the game and had the talent to be able to do that and make the right decisions and get back. Um, as much as I love Cooler and Bentra Boy, which is new, they're, they're not in the same league as these other guys. And that was seen early. And I'm sure Walzer said, look, there's going to be space there. Look for it. And Reynolds has the skill to obviously do that. And they ripped Garrick to shreds. They ripped um, everyone on the outside backs. And then they just manhandled Manly through the middle. And I think Cherry Evans pretty early on saw that he'd have to have a blinder to get Manly within this. And sometimes when that happens, um, he overplays his hand, which he did end up trying too hard. It was one of his worst performances of the season, if not the worst, um, after talking him up for the last few weeks. Um, oh, I just think for, for the Broncos, this was a, a big all-round performance. And I think it's exaggerated by the fact that it was only up 14-0 at halftime and they probably deserved to be up by more than that. And I was messaging a mate saying, I hope you're enjoying this. And she said, um, oh, don't worry, I'm a Broncos fan. I know we'll shit ourselves in the second half. And I was kind of like half hoping that it happened, but they didn't. They came out and scored within four minutes. I went, you know what? It's going to be pretty hard to come back from this. So Corey Oates, yeah, was- 250 metres or something, something crazy yeah, like that. Was- 262. Jesus Christ. You, you, we, 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 we can yell and scream. I didn't yell. How good the... Um, Broncos were, but it's just Adam Reynolds. <laughs> it's only Adam Reynolds. Like they, they, they else. <laughs> really, I'm really struggling with them this year. That yes, they're winning, but he can't do it for the rest of the game. Um, rest Why of the year, sorry. It's too. It's too much on his plate. Like he gets one niggle. Oh, yeah, but we know he's a very durable player. He's only missed, what, eight games in his career? Yeah, look, I I, I love Adam Reynolds. I I just, I'm wary of, I still am ruling Broncos out. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, uh, and I don't, yeah, I like, yeah, I'm concerned how much they're getting pumped up. Yes. Well, they're, they're getting pumped up because we live in Queensland and they're Queensland's poster team. No, they're getting pumped up. This is, read the Sydney Morning Herald. They're gushing over the Broncos. Like, it's yeah, but just, that's, that's a I think they're, I, I still, I still think they're depth. in for a bit of a fall. And while Selwyn Cobo scored three tries, and I'll give him credit, that intercept was awesome. He's looking um, fit. fit like, he's looking fitter he than is. he was at the start um, of the season, definitely. I, I, I'm really hoping Billy Slater... I don't think it was hit. I hope he doesn't. I really hope not. And that's not even from you. So that's from a rugby league fan. I I think he'll stunt him going into that. I I think the wingers are pretty much set and it's one play that no one's even talking about. In my head. Fidel and... Fidel and Coates. Yeah. Hands down. But like, I, I just... I really struggle with him getting the run because like last year, he wouldn't have got three tries because they didn't have a half. He could just put it on a fucking dime. 
And and then and any half any winger could have done what he did on the weekend. No, I don't agree us. with that because there's well, players any, like any other winger and... in the NRL. He didn't do anything special that any other winger in the NRL. I could know do. that that one after half time. I'm giving him credit for. That's a hell of a lot of ground to make up, knowing where that ball was going to be. Yeah. Um, uh, look, I, 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 I'm concerned. I'm concerned they've got a pretty heavy fall coming their way. Um, and. Is I this the 2022 Penrith Panthers? No, they were winning the grand two final. years ago. <laughs> they were not winning the grand final. I remember you saying that every week until the grand final. Yeah, and then they did have a fall in the grand final. Yeah, um, look, I could be, I could be wrong because they're going to fall in hard. Um, yeah, it's because all I see is all I see is a halfback being dominant. Yeah, that's yeah. what you need. Because it worked in two halves no, in the next support. match. The first one on what was it? First one on Saturday. Um, one half had a big first half in Cody Walker, and then a half on the other team had a big half in the second half, and almost brought it back. Now, this game was absolutely. Wack. I don't think either coach will be happy. I don't think any of the players were happy on either team outside of getting the two points. That's what we came here for. Yada yada yada. Um, 26-6 up at halftime um, to lose the second half 24-6 and literally win off the back of oh, one extra try but poor field uh, poor conversion kicking. So six tries to five um, and Reese Walsh got all five of the Warriors conversions. Blake Taft got four out of six and that was literally the difference, that one extra conversion. Sorry, that one extra try. And I watched the first half. I went, shit, I tipped the Warriors. Well, I'd actually listen to Jared. And so I just started doing housework and help playing with the kids a lot more in the second half. And then I kept hearing try, try, try. I went, fuck, they've got a chance here. And then, yeah. Um, bloody entertaining with regards to the amount of tries scored, the amount of points scored. the Slide of hand and the touch that Cody Walker showed for the tries he had a hand in was absolutely the Cody Walker that we love watching. It was beautiful. His sideways, his lateral running, um, the ball he put on a platter to Tane Mill, a little grubber he put through for Taff. Um, some really nice stuff. And then the Warriors are like, oh, shit, we're in a game. Let's start playing. <laughs> and they did that for 41 minutes and almost won. Uh, yeah, Dejan Arce is getting more involved throughout the entire game. I thought he played pretty well, actually. And reward, got rewarded with a try in the 74th minute. Um, but yeah, they gave away too big a lead, obviously. You can't be down 20 yeah. points at halftime. Yeah, I, I, I really... I, to be honest, I turned this off at halftime, went to bed and done something else, to be honest. And then, yeah. I, then I was like, I'm super surprised. Um. Yeah, worries. Worries can't keep doing this to themselves. That is, yeah. and Souths are playing so bad they let them come back. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I don't. You can't get a read on them. Yeah, the both both teams. I I wasn't impressed by this weekend. They only played forty minutes each, and it was not yeah. good. Um, Cody Walker and Sean Johnson should have done better in this game. So whoever no, they're playing next week, I'm no. tipping against, I, I reckon. Both teams. 
probably playing Warriors and, and probably probably playing oh pretty sure one of them's playing Oh, I don't care. I don't yeah. care. Someone someone horrible. Um, um low-key awesome game, Titans and Dragons. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. We've got to there for a second. Uh sorry. Um we should have mentioned it at the start of the episode. I'm kind of disappointed we both forgot, but on Sunday night it came or Saturday night it came out that Andrew Simons actually passed away. Oh, I was gonna crash. save that for the end. Oh right, okay. You didn't give me a heads up about that. Yeah, I, I thought that um, was a weird spot for you to drop it just then. I just remembered and I was su- I was super sad about this one. I used to love watching him play. Yeah. Like he was such a good player and he everything and what's All really right, we won't say it from the end, we'll do it right now in the middle of um our games. Yeah, cool. What's really annoying me about the whole situation, they keep talking about all the bust-ups in his career. They're not talking about his stats. And oh, Australian media are picking up on negative. Yeah, it should have been tears. Don't read like, it. Oh. There's no journalism involved in it. They're just bringing up old headlines and saying, look what I found on the internet. Yeah, I know. And it's really disappointing because, you know, always everyone's read about it, is the issues he had, not the fantastic fielding, the awesome batting. The, Do you know which really game he scored his highest test century in? Against India no. in two thousand and six or eight at a, at the SC at the his highest test century. Yeah, it was wasn't in the. I, I thought it was in um Shane Warne's seven hundredth mat seven uh, hundredth wicket game in the Ashes. Yeah, oh, I thought it was during the um. Was that his most important century? I'll have a look. Uh, I can't remember, but the people never like, remember this, it. This, it's this just like, um, Shane Warne's seven hundredth. This broke bloke, if he was playing in this current year, probably wouldn't survive because he's one of the last ones to want a beer and a cigarette rock for a game. And when he's walking off the field, he kind of expected that when he came off. Um, he probably wouldn't survive. But on, on the other hand, he would be one of the elite, and I mean elite talents of the world, the way cricket is going. He every aspect of the game. Oh, yeah. He, back. Um, he was... Great to watch, always in the game. But the coolest thing about him, and you can't really say this about a cricket players, but he was intimidating as well. He was a big human being on this cricket field who was agile as everyone else. Like he's just as good as field at short at short field tricky ponting. And like with him, Matt Hayden, and Shane Watson, the same team, you felt confident because they were just were those big outlandish players who just dominated when they got out of the crease and it was awesome to watch every single time. I loved it. I loved, it was I loved his, him. It was his first century. Sorry, not his biggest. One. He only scored two centuries. Um, yeah. So that was one his was, first one, century was in the match where Warren got his 700th wicket. Yeah, one was against India in 2008. Yeah. I'm sure I can say two. But yeah. Yeah, 2022. Right family and all that. Yeah. Uh, Titans 20, Dragons 16. This game was... Shit. It really wasn't. The, like, the last 10 minutes was fun. Yeah, okay. I give it to you. Uh, this was one of the ones that got probably some of the worst weather of the whole weekend, I reckon. Like It was pouring down uh, through this. There was a field goal of thon in Golden Point. I'm surprised that the ball even bounced high enough to be able to get a foot underneath it. Um. Jame, Jame, uh, Jermaine Osaka was getting involved in everything that he could that he could 
and end up getting the match-winning try in the corner in very deep into the second part of Golden Point. Um, Jared Wallace busted his yeah. muscles out of his jersey after just a, the best prop try that you can score, literally running over the top of people, landing in the in goal, and then getting up and flexing every muscle of his I, um, godlike I body. I ripped him half an hour before the game too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he must, and then he ripped his jersey. So there you go. Um, both Furmore got a try, but I, I was more impressed with his rugby league IQ um, in the setting up of Brimson's try and the little play that he he did in there keeping the ball alive. But both Furmore has been pretty underrated on the second row for these guys. He's been very consistent. He's not even been put in the centres a few times. He's been very, yeah, consistent in yeah. every Which game. It's not something you say with the Titans very often. Yeah, he's, and a, being consistently. he's doing all right. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the selection of the Dragons players well last episode. Uh, Tyrell Sloan did not have a great game at fullback. Uh, Telltale Moon, <laughs> uh, similar at 5'8", but at least, like... These boys are going to have teething problems through their first full season. But I talked to previous episodes. You've, when, when you've got a talented youngster in a key position, you have to pick and stick. You, you, you can't yo-yo them up and down all season, get their confidence up in reserve grade, let them have two NRL games, they don't do well, drop back to reserve grade, bring them back up. They're just nothing's going to come out of that well in a positive it's also it also shows what their you know yeah their attitude was so yeah tailed two tapes in this game you had tyrell sloan he got dropped back to reserve grade and was told to you know fix up a few things and he Mm -hmm. came back and it doesn't look like he did on the other side of the tape you've got Jaden campbell who exact same situation happened probably minus an injury thrown in there. Mm. But he came back from reserve grade because he did get dropped and he looked like he wanted to improve. Um, and to be honest, that can't be said about the Dragons, young fellas. I'd yeah, say. no, I think that's a really good point. Uh, what I don't know, because we don't watch New South Wales Cup, is what the level of competition's like that he was facing down there and whether he's at that stage of... NRLs are touched too far. New South Wales cut is touched below. Um, sometimes you do get that grey area in between where what I do down here is working really well. Why can't I do that at the next level? Um, but again, I like I've talked up Cooler for Manly for however long. He hasn't even scored a try yet, and he's played what, four games now. I'm not worried at all. This. No. On this weekend, this weekend against the Broncos was the first time I saw him make a bad defensive read and he got burnt for it. Uh, and the Dragons scored. That was Corey Oates' try where he got it in the corner and like slid. Cooler um, came up too fast and he got burnt on the outside. That's the first mistake that he's made. He's been really solid defensively, but he hasn't shown a lot in attack yet. So... There's teething problems and everyone's going to go at different speeds. But now that he's up here, I don't want to see him drop for the rest of the season. And yeah, it's just a conversation we had about, you know, you get dropped, what are you doing, licking your wounds? Are you going to go harder when you come back? And they haven't. The Dragons players just haven't done it. Yeah. So 
I don't know. Uh, Titans needed this win. And they 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 play for it. They showed out. It was 10-4. It wasn't a highest quality game, but it was a um a battle through to the end. And you don't usually see the Titans win the battles. They usually come up short or hold on for a period of time before they let it get away with them, up from them. And they stuck with it and it paid off. Um, I think we're gonna go through this one pretty quickly. Uh, Penrith 32 over the Storm 6. Look, I gave, I'll give Fox Sports and Channel 9 credit for trying to build this up as a blockbuster. I said on the pre-show, as soon as Pappenhausen was out, that was it for me uh, with regards to it being a full contest because he had so much to that team. Brent Smith out and then Jerome Hughes out as a late one Brent as Smith well. Played. Jerome Hughes. Brent Smith played. Oh, did he? Oh, Renia Smith, I meant to say, sorry. Um, He's not an X factor in the game, but it's just consistency in key positions, especially in a position where Penrith are very strong in the centres. Well, yeah, and Matt Seve struggled. Oh, yeah. A lot. Yes. So Penrith did what I'd expect the best team, one of the two best teams in the comp to do. You come up against a weakened opposition, you should put them to the sword, and they did that. And they showed why... They won the grand final last year and they showed why they're on top of the table now. Um, nothing away from them. On the other side, Storm played a shocker regardless of who was selected. And Jared was talking pre-game about we trust Craig Bellamy to the hill, but this is probably the first time we've both seen him make a selection choice that we didn't understand probably before the game correct. and understood it less at the end of the game with having Tyron Wishart at fullback over Nick Meany. Uh, I think it was part to do with Dino Rima pulling out as well who would have been who could have played one wing and meanie at fullback or whatever that was but i i think the only game we've seen these two teams close to both full strength was that shocking game in the finals last year that six four or whatever it was because during the regular season last year storm full strength penrith weakened 37 nil to the storm this year, Penrith full strength, Storm week and 32-6. You're like, what What do you, outside of the fact that Penrith did what they should have done to a weakened team as Melbourne did to them last year, I'm not writing the Storm off and I don't put Penrith any higher than I had them in this week. They're both still equal to me. You take Isaiah Yeo and Nathan Cleary out of Penrith, they're a bottom of the top eight side. Um, same with if you took Munster and Harry Grant out of Melbourne, they're not pushing the top four for the whole season, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I look clearly Jerome Luai listened to my pod, the podcast I said last week um, because I called him a myth, and he's probably yeah. played his best game. But like his try assist was the only one I rate was the um, when he put Targo under. Yeah, that was nice. Um, the other the, ones, were, the yeah. next one was all kick out because yeah. he. Um, yeah, and then the next one after that, where he scored that try, was kick out doing doing the work. So, yeah, he played a good game, but yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, Pembroke just dominated this game. Melbourne weren't ready, but weren't there. And poor old Tyron Wishart to be put at fullback <laughs> in that situation. I actually cool. felt really bad for him, but yeah, good on Pembroke. I was wrong on that one. Okay. And did mention. Based on that effort, Isaiah Yo, three Dalian points. Uh, now on top of the Dalian leaderboard with 17, two points clear of Pappenhausen and Moses, three points clear of Ben Hunt. So Isaiah, they're on 17 points. Uh, 
Sharks versus Raiders. So this was the upset of the round without question. Two games in three weeks by the Sharks where they had not looked up for the fight. Uh, they had three periods through this game where they had an extra player. So literally 30 minutes of an 80-minute game, they had an extra player. And really at no point did they look like they were going to take advantage of it consistently. Corey, sorry, Corey Howard and Naira, Brad Schneider, Hudson Young, um, Zach Wolford at times, uh, Whitehead, um, Sebastian Chris, uh, Papali, Sebastian Chris, like uh, just they showed the best of what Ricky Stewart brings to a squad. And they played as a team. They played for each other. They didn't give up. Uh, epitomized by Hudson Young's uh, intercept try in whatever minute of the game that was. Didn't, uh, 77th minute, um, could have picked that up and just gone to ground. Game was in the bag. But he took it and sprinted away and continued to go and celebrated like he should have after the try. That never give up, never say die, every point counts um, attitude. It was nice to see that from the Raiders again because it has yeah. been sorely missing this season. Sharks. Last two years, really. Yeah, Sharks without Will Kennedy look like a different side. And we know how good Nico Hines is. And we know he can play fullback. We know he can play 5 8. He did it for the Storm. Uh, different different system, obviously, different setup. But that's obviously the talking point. But a lot of other things went wrong. Oh, no, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, the the Fords got dominated. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I like everyone's talk. It, it, it comes with the comes with the what's it called the um the hype, you know. Nico Hines been pumped up all year and then he plays one bad game where the rest of the team is more at fault than he is. No, no, I, don't, I, I didn't he's, say... But I'm saying he's the poster boy for it. Yeah, okay. Um, because the thing about it is that Will Kennedy went out, Braden Trindle went in. Mm. Braden Trindle a, a, is a bloody good halfback. Uh, I just think that the, the, the um, I the Warriors, uh, sorry, the Sharks four-pack needs a lot to answer for right now. I believe. Yeah, because they were dominated by the Broncos and uh, in this one as well. Well, when I meant wasn't that Nico Hines played poorly, it was what Will Kennedy brings to this team, I think, was missing. And and those who don't watch – well, you might watch Sharks games, but watching specifically what Kennedy does, the sweeping plays he does, he's one of the best fullbacks at moving to both sides of the ruck and then straightening almost as soon as he gets the ball. And his acceleration that he can turn on while he's already running. So people like Tom Starling have acceleration off the mark. And Damien Crook have acceleration off the mark. That's different to a change of speed when you're already at speed. Will Kennedy can do that. And that's what catches defenders napping. He adds so much off the balls at Hines and Wallen give him on either side, which is a different style. Nico Hines doesn't and can't do that. He's a bigger stronger runner he doesn't have that change of pace and i think either the sharks are underestimating maybe uh the impact that 
Kennedy has on their backline moves, giving Katoa space, giving Ronaldo space. Um, that to me just looked like a huge hole in their attack. Outside of that, that only works if the team's moving forward and they've got the time to be able to set these plays up, give him time to get from one side of the field to the other. And Raiders just didn't allow that to happen, uh, which I agree. It, it's something that Sharks have to answer to. And Craig Fitzgibbon, being who he was as a player, should be in prime position to right those wrongs or right those issues for the Sharks. Yep. Uh, um, good on Canberra. I was really impressed by their game in the weekend. Yep. And it was like... Sebastian... Who's Sebastian Christian? Yes. Now you got off the ground. Um, and in, a, in the best jersey matchup of the round, Raiders actually lost. And that's their best jersey. And that's... Oh, I was all here. I was all there for that match. That was brilliant. All right, match of the round. Roosters 31, Eels 24. Not quite the match of two halves, but it was almost that way in Parramatta stage in a comeback uh, early on in the second half for about 20 minutes. So they were down 21-6 at halftime and won the second half 18-10. But the fact the Roosters did kick back in with the double to Sawali, one at the start of second half, one just after Ryan Madison's try, end up being the uh, nail in the coffin for the Eels. They couldn't quite muster a, a consistent comeback over that whole second half after they'd, yeah, given up a lead early on once again. Um, okay. <laughs> I want you to objectively just look at this scenario and say yes or no to the end result of it or give me an opinion on it. If you've got a team consistently with the same thing for three years straight as in really stepping up and then dropping significantly the week later, like it's so mm. bipolarish, um, I'd say, like just yeah. and not actively changing that and if you if you you know if you, if you looked at that from a pure sports psychology point of view there's 30 blokes in a team and another 30 in support staff who would you put that lack of consistency on top of because you you know they have the quality in their team to do it you know they have they can do it but if they're so on and off what do you put that down to as a pure oh. sports psychology point? Well, I'm not a sports psychologist, but... No, but, like, when you think about it... There's you... many layers to that. Um, if it's a psychological side of things, I'd hope that the club's got a sports psychologist employed um, to work with the oh, coaching well, staff. Yeah. Um, but seriously, you, for me, that would come down to leadership. Yeah, so you're, you're bored... No, no, because this is purely on the field. Yeah, right. I, there's no, you can't sit there and go to board as influence. Yeah, I know, but a, if you're saying a coach can change the mentality of every individual, that he can't. It's not they every, can't. but it, it's it's not even that. It's 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 keeping us, you know, a a straight line of of consistency, attitude, all that kind of stuff for mm. a period of time, and his team. 
can't do that. They haven't been able to do that. Like, how confident was I when I went, mm. as soon as, I'm pretty sure as soon as the Pembroke but like, came, They also didn't play horribly. I just went. But it's, not like, a, it's not like a Cowboys performance. The, the first half they did. Yeah, but the Roosters and, weren't great in the see, second see, half but, either. But hold up, hold up, hold up. You're just looking at this game. You can't say they haven't been doing this for three years. Oh, no, they've been doing that. But I'm just saying the Roosters weren't anything flash in the second half either. And they've but, still but, haven't but, put an 80 but, minute performance. Like, here. this is, this, that, that can be said for the last seven weeks for Roosters. Yeah. Not three years for any other team. Mm-hmm. Like, Trent Robinson can go back and go, I'm going to try this, this, and this, and this. Brad Arthur, every single time, identifies it. But, I don't know if he's out of answers or just not doing anything about Maybe it. Maybe they just but... literally don't have the player to do it. What do you mean the player? The player, the one that gets them across the line, a Tedesco, a Munster, a Cleary, a well, um, Smith, a, uh, a um, Cherry Evans, the one that can put the field goal when they need well, it, come up with that final right, play. Right now, right now, that, that should be Gufferson. It should be, but that's not. It's never been him. He's never been that sort of player. Him my, and Moses are good for 20, 24 points. But, but my, my point is, it's three years. Yeah, I know. That's also up it, to the club and their management of their playing roster. They've got a lot of good players. If you're if, if you're consistently have the having general. the same problem, yeah, I know. For, but but you're not you're not acknowledging it though. You're no, trying I acknowledge to find it, but you can't if that's not in a player's repertoire. So what can, to be to get the, up for two games in a row? Well, some people, yeah, that's a huge issue. <laughs> like they're, they're literally paid to do this, and they can't do it two weeks in a row. And like I said, Jared, no you team's been able to do it like that for that long a period Melbourne. of time. For, yeah, Pembroke, they, what are they? On, when was, they when you didn't Parham, even let me finish my sentence. There's been two teams that have done it for two seasons. Roosters did it for ten years straight. Yeah, but look at the players you know, they had in there. Newcastle did it for between 97 and 02. You guys did it for about five-year period. When you're on the up in a premiership window, yeah. they're not doing it. But every one of those teams that you mentioned had a leader above the, the – a winning leader, well, someone that had been and, there, done that. Thank you. That's my point. Get rid of Gufferson as captain. Install someone else. That's not going to change the issue. They don't have the player there. If they don't win the, the grand final – if they if they do not win the grand final this year, Brad Arthur has to be sacked. Gufferson has to be ca- removed as captain because, as I said, I don't think that's there make is any difference. There is literally no difference to what they've been like for three years straight. No difference at all. And those two have been the consistent part of that. Okay. And the leadership side of thing. And you, as you said earlier, you could also no say leader. the Roosters have dropped off over the last three years. But they're not they're not having this same problem week in, week out, are they? Well, if you're getting worse over three years, then you would be. You'd be having multiple no, issues. No, but they what, what do you mean they're getting worse over three years? They've oh, yeah. lost players. They've lost players. Mm-hmm. They've had last year they had the worst injury toll in the thing and still came in the top four. Yeah. Parramatta for the last three years have probably had what 95% same team changed oh. in and out. They've had a hell of a lot of injuries as well. No, That's no, they shit. haven't. That, no, they, they haven't. have. They're what? They're what they have? Sebo is out. Now we looked at this like two weeks ago. They had and they had lost money for the last week did. of the, like the semi-finals last year. Yeah, I, 
Even take percent, yeah, they don't but have the point the is, But what what you're saying, Roosters, where they they they've had significant impact. Parramatta mm. have not. Okay. Parramatta have not changed. I don't get why you're so hung up on this because it, it doesn't. I don't see why people don't see it. Why? What? What? What's? What's? Why do you think Gutherson's so good if he doesn't change what the issue is at Parramatta as captain or Brad Arthur the same thing? Why do you think they should keep their jobs where they're the same inconsistent bipolarish um, issue for three years straight? How this this for me would be a massive concern if I was a para supporter. So really looking into it, it's massive that they cannot beat two good teams in a row if they win the first week. They cannot do it. They do okay. not stand, they do not go like if they came out with the same attitude that came out against Pembroke, against the Roosters on the weekend, they would put 60 on them. It's a big call. No, it's not. It is a big call, Jared. You 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 can't say that they're the if you if you watch that game against Para, uh, Penrith, how up they were, how they they didn't. Right, I'll put it this way then: Paris the what third best team in the comp or fourth best team? I'm not even saying six. Okay, you're wrong there. But third or fourth, but they'll never beat Penrith or Melbourne because they don't have a Munster. They, or a they beat Penrith last week, and that is my point. Yeah, but they won't beat them in the finals. They don't have a Cleary. They don't have a Yo. They don't have a. I've already mentioned the Melbourne players. Those people who have had, they could do almost nothing for an entire game and then come out when it really matters and make that play. Or that. So you're saying that I have a, a superstar or a leader? A leader, a match winner. There's not one person on their entire roster that can fill that role. Doesn't matter who you put the captain to, it's got nothing to do with the captain at times. It's just that player that you know yeah, can that's, trust that's, to that's... shut the game down if they're in front and will put them in the best position to win it if they're behind. That's on their board to recruit the right player. They've got a big dog attitude problem. That's all they got. They, you know, know what? They, they, so they did think the they're... Roosters until they bought Cooper Cronk because Mitchell Pierce wasn't that player. He wasn't good enough. He just won two premierships as their cat as their halfback. I said the Roosters had that problem that Parramatta had. They got rid of Pierce and brought in Cronk, and it solved that problem. But that that's irrelevant because they won premierships under Pierce. This is my point. They are in a premiership window. This this year's probably they actually got rid of Pierce season. and won two premierships without him. Yes, and they also won two premierships with Pierce. Oh, that was a pri- that was a previous team. <laughs> oh, Jesus, it was. So, it was a different no, makeup of team. They're going to lose Marnie this year. This is their last That's chance. Fine. Hudson, Hudson, what? That's fine. Yeah, He's replaceable. Marnie's replaceable in this squad. A, a defensive first tackling halfback that implements his offense more regularly than he has at the start. Yes, he's replaceable. He's got the, probably the best 40-20 kick out of dummy half in the comp. Great. Um, he's probably got the best vision in the comp uh, in no. front of him, bar probably Coruscant and Cook. I'd put Grant, Grant above both of them. Grant, yeah. But, but for me, if you've got the same problem for three years straight, that's a leadership problem. Mm-hmm. And those two are the leaders. So something has to change. Yeah. Bring a player in that's got the leadership capabilities that no one in the squad has. Where? AKA Roosters, Cronk over Pierce. 
I don't know. I'd have to have a look at the free agency list. Like, yeah, that's not a good example. Sure, you can come. That's a, a perfect example. example. It's not. Who won two premierships a halfback for Roosters? Cronk. And Pierce. Yeah, that's a different squad makeup, Jared. You're no, two it's not. Teams. It's exactly the same. No, it's the reality of it is that Pierce won two premierships as a halfback. Parramatta are in a premiership window. They will not win a grand final. Okay. That's a bad example. It's not. It is. It is. You can't you can't say to me that. Well, you seem so sure on it. How are you gonna fix it? How am I gonna fix it? Get rid of Brad Arthur, put Shane Flanagan in, and get rid of Gutherson as captain. Uh, That's how I already told you that. I'm trying to find when they won their thing. Who? Pierce. What one was that one? Was that 2013? He won 2013. Yeah. yeah, James Maloney and Sonny Bill and Anthony Manicello. Rodrigo so a completely Vasquez. different team to oh, the one that Cronk Jesus. won. So the, the, the team that Cronk had, he had, who did he have? Boyd Cordner, James I'm just Tedesco, saying, I know. Rhea Hargrave. It's a complete, like, what, I don't think, if you think that's the best example to what I'm saying right now, you're not understanding my point. All right, so before Cronk came to the Roosters, they had a premiership caliber team. They just couldn't get over the final hump of winning it, right? But you just that said Mitchell like Pierce. No. So you did you, you, you use Mitchell <sighs> Pierce as an example when he won two premierships with him? No. If you're saying that, that's like saying the Manly 08 teams the same as the Manly 2011 team. And it's not. They're two different squads and they played completely different footy. Re- reality of it is that, that, in three years, nothing's changed. You can't deny that. No, I'm not. And you also admitted that it's a leadership issue, that something has to change, and I've already given you a, what I believe is the best way to change it. Okay, and I'm giving you mine. But the the, the opposite, you use an example where Mitchell Chris still won two premierships in mm. that squad, and Cooper Cronk came in, and yes, they got, got there, but her, like, <laughs> it's just... No, no one seems to see that Gufferson's a problem. I think you've just got to... It's like Ponga as captain's the same as Gutherson as captain. They're neither the right choice. But that's what the but club's made. That's not going to make a difference in them winning a premiership what? or not. It will. It's still the same player. They still, yeah, it doesn't matter you... if they've got a C next name or not. If they don't have the... If they don't have the quality or the trait, they won't have it whether they would have well, seen next to the name or not. When you look at their team, they definitely have the quality to win a grand final. Uh-huh. They have two halves in their prime, two front rollers in their prime, really strong second rollers, and one of the one of the top three or four hookers in the competition, a really strong young center. Mm-hmm. Michael Sevo was the whole highest try scoring player two years ago when he comes back. Um, you know, agile outside backs. Hard running second rollers, versatile um, replacements in Nia Kore and um, Oregon Kafusi, players like that to come onto the field in replacements. They got they if you if you looked at their team, they're definitely in a premiership window, but then it's lacking leadership. And the and if they don't win the grand final this year, something needs to be changed out. And needs to be the coach. But yeah, because they'll get in the top four, no one's going to agree with that. Oh, uh, I'm agreeing with that. I'm just looking at it a different way than you are. 
Nah, it's not the same as the Roosters. I don't know. I just I'm trying to see where this PS2 premierships came from. It's I'm a pretty... sorry, he won two premierships as a captain. Uh, uh, sorry, no, unless he Roosters. was playing in 2002. He won one in 2013. That was against Manly, and yes, that was the team that had um, uh, Sunny Bill Williams and Minicello, I'm sure, and a completely different makeup to the team that couldn't win anything before that. Yeah, yeah, that team had like Aiden Guerra, Sean Kenny Down, Michael Jennings, James Maloney. Um, Maloney is a winning sort of player that's a completely different squad to the one that he was then in that couldn't win the premiership in 16 or 17 they bring in a halfback with winning capabilities from the storm they win it in 18 and 19 um, after moving pierce on and bringing cronk in that's a, it's a perfect example of what you're talking about a team that's right there for two years three years can't do it they bring someone in that's kind okay. of a winning culture of Fair Melbourne. Fair enough. But who, who was in difference. that team? Who was in that team who got brought in 2017-18? Sonny Bill got called back, didn't he? I don't know. I'll have to have a look. I've got like yeah. two different pages open. Well, so well there you go. That's another player bringing in with winning culture. Winning, they've been there. They've yeah, done but you're that. They the know team, what it takes. Yeah, you the team around him. Well, if you just said they brought him in, that's exactly what you're talking about. They just add him to the list of Kronk. They're the right players to bring in. Yeah, well, they brought, the they brought Papalahi in. Papalihi in. Awesome player. Been doing awesome work for him. Not that sort of player. They brought... Okay, fair enough. I'll cop it. I was wrong. But hard and fast you. of it is that Parramatta are not going to change anything unless they do a shake-up. Yeah, I 100% agree. I was just looking at it from a player point of view. You're looking at it from a coaching point of view. Well, how does Brad Arthur not cop a blame for this? He can He's not gonna. I still reckon if you, whatever coach you bring in, unless you can turn Moses or Brown into that sort of player, it's not going to change anyway. Yeah, but if you bring, I just think if you bring Flanagan into that team, they complete turnaround. Yeah, they could do. They could play a completely different style and it could backfire. They could get them to play a different style or it works based on their skill sets. Or he could keep everything the same and just enhance the traits that some of the players already have and turn them more into leadership skills who knows we wouldn't know until they're, the dice is actually rolled it's, it's almost nearly clean out Tom. yeah i want to see what the free agent list is i don't think it's very good um at the end of this season do we have any more right. games to talk about next game i love these tangents they're so uh 36-12 cowboy north, north queensland cowboys over tigers um, probably the best try assist in the competition ever. It was awesome. Yeah, a, fuck, the first thing I saw when I went on there, I bet you that I'm pretty sure that ball hit the corner post. Fuck off. Who cares? <laughs> it didn't. Don't even try and bring up a reason to take that try off. I've got to go by something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Tigers, they have flashes of brilliance, but. They just got outclassed in this game hardcore. Yeah, injuries didn't help. They were down to two on the bench before the end of the first half. Uh, their young winger, Junior Tupo, uh, made his debut, looked real good in like brief moments that you expect from a debutante. Uh, he had Sawali do that mark in the previous game, and he got up for that one. But 
if you listen to the last show, the show before, and I've said the Cowboys are the most fun team in the comp to watch, that was another example of it on the weekend. Uh, 10 metres out from the line, throwing cutout passes. Um, uh, what's the word? Competing on every high ball that they can get to. Players like Ruben Cotter and Tom Gilbert going to another level. Helium Lukey coming off the bench and just injecting enthusiasm. Tom Lolo played 24 minutes. Killed me in fantasy, but um, he and he was good. He was good in those minutes. He just literally didn't need to come back on for these games. Um, I don't mind him sitting if game's in the bag. It's when he sits, it's the issue. But um, Deaton and Townsend looking even better together. What what else is there to say about this team? Reese Robinson's getting the balance of when to run, when to pass. The um, line break assist that he set up for Ruben Cotter, who did the best dummy in the history of not dummying. It was um, so emphasized, wasn't it? That got him I think, I think I think the best thing we could say about this team is, compared to last year, they're third on the ladder after round nine, round 10. Yeah. Um, and there's 126 in the for and against, yeah. which is no one would have predicted this for the Cowboys at all. I had them as my don't be surprised if they make a run for the bottom yeah, half of the top but, eight, but I didn't have them this yeah. high. Yeah, no, no. After 10 games, I've only, only dropped three games. That's yeah. that's impressive. And I'm enjoying so. it. Um, it's nice because my wife's a Cowboy supporter. It's nice to have the Cowboys doing well in a house um, when Manly's not. <laughs> uh, but what that also did is all three Queensland teams won at Suncorp Stadium on the weekend. Uh, which I don't think many people would have tipped, uh, in all honesty. So that's the that's the games there for. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Jackson Hastings. I thought he had a really good game in a losing cause, uh, especially when he pretty much had to do all the playmaking by himself. Um, also, congratulations to the Dolphins. Zero players off contract at the end of this season. Just looking at the zero tackle page. Um, so we've got all that tied up nicely. Uh, just having a look if there's any play that would shift that needle enough. You have to talk about something. Oh, by the way, uh, Adam Reynolds should get the Dally M because of the spine that he's playing with the Broncos and how well he still played. <laughs> That's worth at least 20 points. Right. <laughs> well, you look at like you got Martin Walters and Gamble. It's not much to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's really nothing. That's like they need, yeah, to, in my head, a big name leader. And there's no one really that fits that bill right now. Anyway, we'll call it a, uh, oh, what do you reckon? Angus Crichton? Not quite. Angus Crichton? Nah, not yet. Nah. Um, probably wrong position as well. But anyway, that sort of calibre. Um, all right, that'll bring us to the end of episode 190, which is crazy. So what's next? Round 11, only a five-day turnaround for the Busted Up Tigers, I believe. Um, so we'll be back at you guys Thursday morning. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. 
Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the 6 Again website. All links via the show's bio.